This is Joe Basso from Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I'm speaking with guitarist Nuno Betancourt from Extreme. Nuno, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. You guys have put out a new record, have reformed after several years, 13, I think. That is correct. That is right on. With this reformation, the question begs, you know, are you guys back for a while, or if for whatever reason, let's say this record doesn't impact, will you go back off to other projects, or, or are you guys back in extreme? Well, I mean, uh, you know, we, we've, we've never based our existence on uh, impact, you know, in the sense of uh, who knows what the hell that means anyways that the record doesn't have impact. I mean, uh, I think last time we, uh, uh, I spoke with somebody in the industry, uh, I think it was by, by the middle of the year, there was one or two platinum records this year, which was the first time in might have been ever in, in history of uh, of music, you know, because due to all the just the the way everything's changed and in the internet and downloading and all that, and so it's a very different world. So I mean, as far as you know, extreme coming back in 13 years, um, you know, I, I think I think it's one of those things where it, uh, it might have taken a, a long longer period than it probably should have because. You know, we we were together for about eleven years and uh, or twelve years, and I I think uh, you know when you that that was home for us. You know, when you consider that being home, I think anybody uh, can to wanting to leave home for a while. You know, as comfortable as it can be, and you and your family and and everything else. Sometimes you need to just travel the world and and try some different things, try some different foods, try go to some different countries, and I think. Uh, in essence, that's what everybody was doing. You know, I know that's what I was doing. You know, I did with, with the projects with Drama Gods and Population. One of the things I did, you know, it's, it wasn't that extreme. We we hated each other. I think it was just time uh, for a bit of a break. We could have taken a year or two, but I think maybe the way it went down uh, wasn't very natural, and maybe the the surroundings are are uh, uh, our people that we counted around us didn't really help us out so much. But anyways. That's the past. So we always said, you know, I always kept in touch with Gary and, and the guys, and it was never, uh, you know, bad blood there, just bad brotherly blood, if that makes any sense to anybody who has brothers, you know. Sure. And, and uh, we always said, look, if we ever do anything, it can't be some really bad reunion tour or some nostalgic reunion tour or for the money or, uh, you know, any of those reasons. It has to be what it was always about, and that was the music. And um, if, you know, we didn't have anything new to share with our older fans and or, or new fans or or just the current you know current music lovers then it's just not worth doing it you know we, we we had to have something to say and something that we were proud of sharing with so you know god last november we got into a room and um you know we we uh we basically just started jamming and, and to see what you know we didn't know if it was going to be terrible if it's going to be good and the chemistry was going to still be there and God, it was scary. We were writing like three or four songs a day. We came out with 24, 25 tracks within like 10 days. And uh, I think uh, we looked at each other and went, holy shit, I think it's time. <laughs> I think it's time we do something. Now, getting back together, you know, and after so long and, and doing so many other different things with other people, was it important to feel that you guys were as you were then? Or did you just kind of say, screw it, you know, we're going to be, you know, a new band in a way? Well, I mean, we, you know, we were kind of worried about being as then because that's, I think that's the fear. I mean, we did, I think in 2002 or something like that, we, we did a couple of shows together kind of for the fun of it. It was like a 4th of July weekend, something we were all back home and, and, and we get together and said, hey, you know, just for kind of old times, like, you know, we're not going to go on the road, we're not going to do anything, let's just have some fun. And 
And I remember doing, you know, thinking, okay, we did three or four shows or something like that, and it couldn't have been any more perfect in many ways. You know, you know, shows are sold out, crowd was there, sang, they sang every song with us, we celebrated, we, you know, it, uh, it just, you know, there we were back on the bicycle and didn't really skip a beat. But I, I'll never forget going back to a hotel room and sitting in there and completely, you know, having this depression come over me. And it was really bizarre because you're thinking, well, why why are you feeling this way? Why are you feeling like this is, you know? And, and, and it occurred to me that we could never do this like this. We could never try to just skip 13 years and go back and, and, and be, we were almost like we were covering ourselves. You know, we we're a cover, an extreme tribute band. And, and the reason that you can't just do that is because, you know, those songs and those those lyrics, everything about that, they have history. You know, they have... They have, they have a, it's like a perfume that you smell that takes you back in time, you know? Yeah. And uh, you, when you get kind of scared that you didn't progress, that you didn't move on, that, that you didn't grow, that you didn't get better. And, and uh, I, I think that's why um, when we did these new crop of songs, look, it's still extreme. It sounded like we didn't skip a beat in many ways, but it's, to me it sounded like we grew. And, and uh, I, thought, I thought we got better, and I thought we were smarter. And, uh, you know, I could be wrong, but the best, the best news is that it's, it's real, and it's honest, and it's where we're at today. Yeah. You know, it's been a while since you had your huge mega hit, More Than Words. What's been the best thing about having a hit of that magnitude? And also, what's been the worst thing about it? More Than Words, Blessing or a Curse. It's almost odd, and it's like okay. Well, let me let's think about this for a second. Okay, hmm. more than words. Uh, you know, people look at it as an odd song for us, but the truth is, is that it's a song that we wrote. I mean, we wrote it just like any other song on that record. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not some. It would have released it as a single. It would have never been a hit, but it still would have been more than words. The exact same song on that record, just like the collection of the other twelve that were on that record. It was just done in complete innocence. You know, we sat on a porch, we wrote more than words. We sat on the piano, we wrote When I First Kissed You on Porn Graffiti. We wrote Get the Funk Out probably the day before that. I mean, it, there wasn't any any sort of rhyme or to any of that stuff. But uh, just because, you know, it, it, it was released, and, and actually it was essentially it was released because the, our fans wanted it released. The label did not want to release it. Many of many of the guys in the band didn't want to release it. Uh, uh, management didn't want to release it. They didn't think it was a hit because you know at the time there was no acoustic music out. Period. This is this is way before MTV Unplugged. And at the time, all the ballads that were out were these big power ballads and you know huge productions. And, and you know you know when the label when those guys heard you know more than once, they're like, well, where are we going to put this? How do we put this in between on radio and rock radio or anywhere else? Even in, even on hit radio, it was kind of like uh, there was Whitney Houston was on there. You know, it was right. it was this R and B almost hip hop thing happening. So it, it was one of those things where uh, the 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 fans decided that it was a hit, and the fact that it was a hit worldwide, uh, it just let me, you know you got to go back and say, let me see, I'm, I'm a, we're a new band. Um, would we rather it be a hit? Or not? Let me see it. Because it was a hit, and it was massive, we got to tour on that record another one and a half years and play to maybe I don't know another you know half a million, if not a million people worldwide. We we uh, they we got to uh, share with them the rest of our catalog live. They also bought. I think we sold close to over 10 million, 12 million records worldwide. So 
not only that they listen to more than words, but they get turned on to the rest of the catalog. And or would I want that, or would I want to be working at Burger King? Hmm, let me think about that. Let's 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 weigh the let's weigh the pros and cons. You know, I you know I understand it from a music perspective. You know, because people are like, well, you guys were a rock band, but the truth is, you know, the fans, the hardcore fans, knew exactly what we were. The mainstream audience, most of them knew what we were totally as as a package. But the ones that didn't, that only knew us for more than words, they were only supposed to know us for more than words. They were they were those sort of, you know, uh, uh, mainstream fans that only buy singles for everybody. Right. That's okay. You know, the the people that were supposed to the, the show for, to see extreme were supposed to be there, and the ones that only bought the singles were only supposed to buy the singles. So there was no negative at all to it. I don't believe anyone. How did you feel when you saw certain bands, and and a lot of them were you know pop metal bands, say? trying to ape the formula because there were several of them that did yeah you know what that's a compliment that's a compliment really because it's uh you know I, it's you know especially when you see a band not only doing an acoustic back with a black acoustic in a video that's done in black and white we won't mention any names but <laughs> when, when when you see that it, it's funny almost but it's kind of it's kind of cool you know look it, just, just for the record, that you know, there's certain bands or particular uh, people that came up and apologized to me when I ran into them on the road, saying, "Hey, I hope you don't mind, man. That that was just a amazing song, and you guys really broke the mold and did some new things and some fresh." So you know, we 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 kind of jumped on the coattails. I mean, they actually admitted it to me. And but you know what? That's what music is, anyways. Look, don't don't think that every note, every song, more than words, everything we've ever done, indirectly comes from everything we've ever consumed as musicians and as music lovers. I mean, you know, uh, you know when, when you read that the Beatles were trying to do what the Beach Boys were doing and the Beach Boys were trying to do what the Beatles were doing and sure. and, and Zeppelin doing the blues and all that stuff, you know, that's the beauty of music. You know, as long as you're not sitting there, you know, uh, Vanilla Ice really kind of, you know, purposely saying, look, this is mine and this isn't mine. Right. I, I, I love tipping my hat to to all my faves, whether it's Jimmy Page or Eddie Van Halen or anything. I, I have no misconceptions that I reinvented the wheel, and I don't think anybody does. Even those heroes of mine didn't. They know where they came from. They know what it's about. And uh, I think that's if you can do it respectfully and, and know your influences and wear them proudly on your sleeve, but hopefully you have culminated in, 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 in kind of taking those ingredients and make it your own. I mean, it's, it's all good. There's room for everybody, you know. Speaking of influences on the new record, which is called uh, Saudage de Rock, there you go. There you nice go. one. I got the title right. Yeah, um, you did. First song right off the bat, the the riff, the the flanged vocals, you know, you guys are waving the the queen flag pretty proudly there. Has there been a new band that has hit you guys quite as hard? You know, it, it's it's interesting because uh I think the saddest part about the newer generation and it so much isn't their fault, is that taking, you know, you know, in, in, in somewhere between, you know, anywhere between when rock and roll was born in the 40s or 50s to, to almost up till about like 97 or even 2000, there was, was a lot of room for risk. And not that you had to jump off a cliff musically, but you would just do what you wanted to do. And that's it. And it, and it, and if people connected, they connected, and, and you were something special, and there was something special about you when they finally l- discovered you. Uh, you know, it, for for bands of the, of the past that have any sort of history, or even like Extreme going out right now, it's almost we have more of a benefit because we have a history. The newer acts, man, it's so tough for them because, 
you know, uh, they, they, it seems like if they don't sound like one of those newer Canadian, I don't know, uh, uh, emo, I don't, I don't know. It's just like you, you turn on the radio sometimes and everybody's kind of talking about their girlfriend and whining about their girlfriend. And it's this post kind of blink 182 rock that you, you have trouble deciphering who's who, you know, that straightforward thing. And, and I'm sure there's some good bands that do that. I don't want to go down on bands that just because they're doing sort of pop punk rock or whatever, but I, I, I feel that, that, you know, those bands that are, might be out there that are a little bit left of centered, I just can have such a hard time. Like labels are going to hear them and go like, even if, even if Zeppelin came out and say if Zeppelin never existed and then they turned in cashmere today to a label, they would have looked at them and go like, what is this? Right. We can't play this on the radio. You know, where are we going to put this? I mean, there's no, there's no chorus. There's no hook, you know. Uh, it goes for ages. I mean, we have to edit it, and and I, it's scary to think that maybe over the last ten or fifteen years that some of those new Led Zeppelins and Queens and Van Halens and Aerosmiths, I don't know. Uh, do, do do we get a chance to discover them? It, it's it's pretty crazy to to to, to know that or not, you know. And uh, as far as new bands that I think, at the very least, have been you know, seem to kind of wave that middle finger to, to, to as you're supposed to, in, as being a rock and roll, creative rock and roll band like Queen did or or, 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 or Pink Floyd or any of those bands. You kind of just, I would say Muse, you know, is the closest thing to that. I mean, I think they're they're marching to their own, you know, beat of their own drum and, and um, I think they're doing some things and they have those influences, you know, those, those influences of, of the, you know, F.U. are going to do what we love to do and if we want to, pop track into a, 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 a an epic track into uh you know just beautiful piano and haunting vocals you know and i love that and, and that just shows that people also take time to, to to actually take their instrument and and craft it you know that's that's another thing that doesn't happen much anymore i don't know if there's a lot of new bands that i really dig that way you know uh I mean, I, I think there's some great bands out there. I've always been, you know, the bands that exist now, you know, uh, that are still around, like the Foo Fighters and Chili Peppers. I mean, even I think they've fallen victim somewhat to the current status, you know, by, by you know, recreating a lot of the staying very one-dimensional a lot of the times. I, I used to think that the Chili Peppers, when they did Blood Sugar Sex Magic, I thought that was one of the greatest records of all time. And that's the record that sort of, you know, put them into the stratosphere. And and I felt that they took, like, you know, the success they had with, you know, a single or two of that, that they've been consistently trying to, to do that. And I don't know if that's pressure from the label or whatever, or if that's just them. If that's just them, then great for them, you know. But I, I just, I would love bands to take a bit more risk. I mean, the White Stripes, you know, they, they're, they're, doing their, they're doing their own thing, you know, bands like that. So, I mean, you do see pockets of it. Pretty early on, you were uh, given the tag Guitar Hero. Has there been any guitar players in the last... 10, 15 years that has really impressed you that's, you know, made you sweat a little bit? Well, I, I remember actually, you know, uh, most most recently, you know, especially in the, uh, in, in, in the sort of, uh, in the blues world, you know, look, to me, I think when, when Hendrix was out, you probably thought nobody was ever going to look sort of do what he did better than he did, and then came Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, uh, and, and, and I thought that Stevie Ray was just you know, I think every once in a while you, you see guitar players that they don't just play guitar. When you actually watch them, the they're they're just they're just existing. Like it's almost like they're not playing the instrument. The instrument is an extension of their whole right. being. You know, and, and when you used to watch Stevie Ray play, that used to be really almost scary that way, but 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 really inspiring. That you used to just see him, and he used to be really at one with everything and effortlessly just you know, just playing that thing like it didn't eat, like the guitar was, it was just a part of his arm, you know, and it was, it was pretty amazing. And, 
And I, I remember, I remember um, being at this uh, at the NAMM show, and I remember there was a guitar player magazine had some sort of jam, and I and I was just watching. I was just a spectator. I was invited by my friend uh, Steve Luke there, and 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 I he played a little bit. Everybody went up and played 15, ten or fifteen minutes. Steve I played. Um, uh, I think George Lynch. A, a handful of people played, and after all these sort of real players were kind of done with what they were doing, what we expected. Up came this 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 guy that was doing. You, first, he started playing. You were thinking, "Oh, great, another Stevie Ray guy right. that's going to do those traditional blues licks and and, and he's going to sing." And but this, everybody just stopped. That I, I just stopped, and my jaw dropped. And and it was uh, it was this this guy named uh, Joe Bonamassa, I believe. And I I remember just stopping, and then people were talking to me, and I was yelling at them, "Just shut up! I I, I got to listen to this." I, that just made me just stop everything, and I, I just couldn't stop listening. I couldn't stop watching him. I was so intrigued, and uh, I thought he had some real connection and passion, and, and doing something different than what those guys did with that sort of music. And I and I remember after he finished, running like a like a groupie into into that the dressing room, which was packed with all the other legends, you know. And and I remember looking at Steve I from across the room and pointing because he couldn't hear me, but pointing just almost speaking as if we were sort of both somewhat deaf and using sign language and pointing to Joe Bonamassa and, and then kind of giving that circular thing around my ear like he's insane and, and Steve I did the same thing. He goes, he's out of his mind. And it was amazing that all the guitar players are in there just really dug him and that's when you know there's something special. So from a guitar player standpoint, I haven't had that experience a lot l lately, but that was one of them, you know. Now, uh, going back to Queen for a second, who obviously are huge influences on you, can you describe the feeling when the surviving members of Queen em embraced Extreme and actually invited you guys to take part in the, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert? What did that feel like to you? You know, that, that still to this day is probably one of the greatest days of my life. You know, for, for many reasons, uh, but, but particularly because of the fact that, I mean, just to be a part of that and the, doing the Queen medley that we did and having the band come up to us afterwards and, you know, Bowie that was there and all these people that we just really admired and, and complimenting us on what we did and, and, and the fact that we got asked to pay tribute to Freddie, which is, you know, we knew every, you know, inch of every lyric and, and you know, and, and we knew all the obscure stuff. You know, a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there today that are taking credit for being, you know, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, if I if I see the Foo Fighters one more time at one more tribute induction, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself. I mean, it's like the Queen one, you know, they they they're up with Queen, they're they're doing stuff, you know, with them, and 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 I and I, I kind of talk to you know the little the little that I talk to these days of Brian May, we, we I give him a hard time because you know uh, because Extreme wasn't around, we didn't partake in a lot of the most recent sort of uh, celebrations of Queen, and and, and uh, to be asked to do that thing that day was just. I mean, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was it was so spiritual and so uplifting, and um, we thought we were already nervous enough going up and doing that and, and being included in that. But Brian May did this intro. I, I think we watched it recently because it was somebody was playing the DVD at their house or something like that. A friend of mine, and the intro alone that Brian May said about Extreme nearly gave us all heart attacks. You know, saying something like, you know, this band, this next band is. Are, are real Queen fans? They really know what you know. Uh, you know what Queen was all about. It might be the only band on the planet that knew that. He said something like that. That just 
that killed us and, and inspired us. And we went up and we did, you know, uh, well, what we hope was a great tribute to them, you know. Going back to the record, the new record, Comfortably Dumb. Lyrically, what are you guys uh, trying to say on that on that track? I think that that track is basically, you know, it's look, it's it's not something new to talk about, but it's definitely it's it's kind of like sitting in front of your direct TV and I don't know, 800 channels. I think is what it is. And it used to be bad, you know, 10 years ago, but now it's almost to the point of of, of you know our, our our sensitivity or or our desensitivity to to. to to television and, and, and world events and, and bombings and invasions and, and, and uh, you know, uh, genocides and things like that, you know, with, with, with the makings of reality TV almost, you know, with watching American Idol even. And, and, and that's a great reflection of what the music industry has become to the point where, you, don't, you know, people don't realize that becoming an idol or becoming an artist is not winning a contest. It's it's not going up and singing a bunch of covers throughout and getting voted because you have you might be cute or you have a great personality or or you actually might be a decent singer. It's not. It has so much more to do with the creativity and has so much to do with with the path that you that you that you choose to get there and 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 uh, the pain that it takes to get there. Unfortunately, you know the the whole the whole discovery of yourself and growing as an artist and everything. It's not you know winning almost like a karaoke contest, so to speak. And 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 that reflects the music business, but also the other shows, all the other things that are going on that have become almost like I don't know. It just we've just become comfortably dumb. You know, we sit in front of our TVs and and or in front of the internet. The internet has a lot to do with that. You know, it, television has great positive things about it, but you know that's probably twenty percent of it. And it's the same thing with the internet. I mean, the stuff that you can learn online and access quickly, and whether it's you know. Uh, web doctors and things like that and the information you can get for for season and uh in youtube discovering all these other artists that you or footage that a lot of uh, newer generation would never see again or even us would we've never seen of our of our heroes so there's a lot of great things but at the same time you know you, you can go online and see a lot of a lot of ugly things and a lot of craziness and and and, and, and we've lost communication with all our email skills we you know there's more there's more breakups and fights through email and, and texting now than you know that because of just the, the fact that it doesn't show tone that it doesn't show uh your 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 um your feelings on there you know you just people get so uh misunderstood and so all those things you know technology and everything that's happening is kind of that's what it's about it's just becoming desensitized and just becoming comfortably dumb you know musically one of the songs that surprised me was take us alive which is a kind of a rockabilly shuffle something pretty new for you guys where did that come from well it's kind of it's kind of new for us and it isn't kind of new for us you know we, we we laugh at it and we think about well if this was 13 you know years you know be, between records it's probably we call it our wholehearted our bionic wholehearted you know what i mean it's like we've always had a tinge of that sort of you know rock kind of uh you know hoedown uh feel from a lot of it we, we you know even didn't come from straight up from rockability but maybe from some from some of the rock bands we grew up on like even zeppelin you know zeppelin 3 was a big influence on me because it was like to me it was a great rock rock and roll acoustic record you know the majority was acoustic for zepp and you know a lot of that stuff wholehearted i think you know kind of subliminally you know a lot of those influences came from that and even the bands that we just talked about like queen and stuff they did that stuff once in a while you know and um uh, 
So I wouldn't call us, you know, connoisseurs of any rockability, rock, rockability, wow, that's a great one, rockability or, 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 you know, country or bluegrass, you know, definitely not trying to fool anybody. It's just a moment, a fun moment uh, in time that we were jamming at rehearsal, and, and that's what we came up with, you know. Let me ask you about your original Washburn Nuno guitar. Did you remove the finish on the guitar more for a, a, a visual aesthetic or were there um, acoustic benefits that you liked? Well, it's interesting because I, I before it became the Washburn N4, I had built one from scratch myself. And initially, initially, you know, I always had an unfinished neck and an unfinished body because, you know, I bought the parts that way because I couldn't afford to buy a guitar, an expensive guitar that was painted. Um, you know, and I remember buying those, bought, you know, that stuff. And, and then it just kind of became like, that's what I played. And then when I probably got to a point where I uh, could afford paint, uh, a paint job, I realized I didn't like it because I got so used to that warmth yeah. and got so used to the the unfinished sound that kind of, it's very brown, if, if you will, color-wise. You know, it's, it, it doesn't have much much of an edge at times. It's, it's a more of a warmer attack. And that became, you know, out, out, of, out of sort of poverty, <laughs> that became the sound, you know. How would you say your playing has evolved over the years? Maybe since the last Extreme record, how how, how have you changed? I don't think uh, you know when I was doing the projects in between the last Extreme record and this one, it, it, it there was a lot of different different vibes because I was singing, and you always take a different approach when you're the guitar player and you're the singer. So there was a different approach. I mean, that's, within Extreme, within Extreme, you always when I become just a guitar player, even though I do background vocals and everything. I, you definitely focus more on the guitar. It becomes more of your job and, and, and your, your responsibility more than the singing and everything else. You, you focus on it a lot more. I, I, I would hope that there was one consistency that I've always tried to do, and that's, you know, uh, serve the song. And, and, and if, it's a, if it's a beautiful track, you know, I mean, even more than words didn't have a solo for a purpose, you know, for a reason. It just needed it. might have a little flutter at the end kind of for a, for a you know a nice little ending, but in, in when we had a song that was that was a, a crazy fun song like "Play with Me," a punk song, then we would do a crazy solo. It would always I'd always try to match the atmosphere of the song and serve the song, and try not to overplay it unless the song needed to be overplayed, you know, and needed to have that craziness. And and uh, so I I just always you sort of continue that. But I think, in, the, in you know, you always think and hope that you're getting a bit older without getting old, so to speak, and getting kind of boring you know, and, and, and laying down your arms. You, you try to at least keep some of that going and some of that flair. You know, it, look, if it's the Take Us Alive, like you just mentioned, and it's the rock ability, I hope I, hope I, 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 I did my best to, to, to pay homage to that and, 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 and contain it, you know, within this within the guitar playing. We come to the part of the interview now where uh, we have some reader questions. A reader who goes by the name of Macarenem, he says he read an article where you said you were learning to play flamenco, and he wanted to know if that was true. That is true. That is true. I, I, uh, I'm having this real love-hate, like I'm a huge, you know, flamenco fan my whole life. I've always dreamed, you know, if, if I could put down, give up everything I've done so far with the electric and just be able to play maybe two or three of the early Paco de Lucia tunes and sit on a beach somewhere, I would do that. It, I, I, but it's not easy. It, it's 
it's not easy for a guitar player that's been using a pick his whole life. You know, because you, you have to... I had Basically, when I started learning flamenco stuff and studying properly uh, a few years back, I realized that I had a... You know, I had a, a very mature and capable of playing just about any flamenco thing left hand, but my right hand was like a, 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 a one-year-old. In flamenco guitar, the reason it's so beautiful and the reason it intrigues me so much is because when you listen to a great player, you're almost baffled because you hear rhythm guitar, you hear solo guitar, and you hear somebody almost playing the bottom end bass guitar all at the same time, and it's just one person. That's the beauty of it. That's why it's so difficult. It's that separation. It's that. It's what you got to do with that right hand. It's it's just insane. It's an insane art form. It's a beautiful art form. And and uh, someday, you know, hopefully before I die, I'll be able to play one of those pieces. Well, you know. a uh, a reader who goes by the name Jay Gunner, he wants to know who influenced you to play the guitar. Now, obviously, we know Brian May. Is is there anybody else? Well, I mean, all the bands, it was one of those things where just about, I was always attracted to guitar players, but guitar players are also in bands. I mean, I loved Brian May. He was in Queen, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, I uh, loved, you know, uh, obviously Eddie Van Halen was an influence on me, but it was also the whole band. And, 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 you know, I always paid attention to not just the soloing. I used to tell, you know, guitar players I met all the time when they used to ask for advice. I said, look, whatever guitar player you like, don't just pay attention to the, the 30, 40 second solo, you know, ask questions. Why does the solo sound good? Well, it's usually because of the rhythm section, you know, and there's a whole other three or four minutes to have fun with, with guitar. A reader named Bellboy uh, says that he's uh, he's 14 and he, he plays everything from West Montgomery to Metallica, but he wants to know how to develop a distinctive style of playing. Well, that's that's a that's prob that's a great 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 question, especially coming from a fourteen year old. It's important that he asks that question now, because I talk about this a lot. I was at a I was at a birthday party recently of this uh, maybe like thirteen fourteen year old who who happened to be a fan of mine because he discovered us through uh, you know through the internet and everything. And a friend of mine said, "Would you come by and, and surprise him and, and all this stuff?" So I did, and I was talking to him and and. and I, I was talking about this very thing. He was asking me about this because it's really, really, really important. You, you, you have two, two paths you can take in life. You can either, you know, sit there and, and learn everything you can from everyone and, and just about clone them. And then you can do all those guys and you can play all those different things. You can play a Van Halen song. You can play a Metallica song. You can play a, a Chili Peppers song. Or, you know, and, and one of those ways, it, but... You can take, by doing that, you can watch every video. Like a lot of people have those sort of, you know, I, I was asked my whole life to do these kind of instructional Starlicks type videos where they, they they basically play all your stuff and somebody watches. And I've always refused to do it, you know, not to be condescending, but I, uh, condescending, but I, always, I always thought that that's the worst thing that could happen to anybody. Because when you take a CD or, you know, or what we used to do with the needle and put it on and learn, uh, uh, a Hendrix lick or a Page lick you used to sit there over and over and over and, and use your air and then you used to go to your guitar and you used to try to emulate it and you you could have sworn you would have sworn that, that you nailed it at least 90 to 95% that's the way it's that's the way it should be the good news was it might have sounded like it but you might have played it in a different place you might have used different fingers to do it you might have picked it differently you might have you, you know, you you just use your air to interpret it. And what happens is when you do that, 
you're already becoming your own because you're just it's it's just interpretation you're interpret you're interpreting the way you think it happened and then later in life when you saw them live you go to see them live you go oh my god i was so far off but it kind of developed your own style by doing those things i get afraid that you know with youtube and, and a lot of the you know the people that did those sort of videos they would show you ex- all the details of sweat this is where you put your pinky this is this. so essentially you start cloning them you're not getting influenced by them anymore. You're just cloning them, and you don't. You're not getting your own identity. You're not slowly developing your own identity. I mean, you'll always have those influences, but you don't want to know too much. I, usually, I think that's the key. I usually is find, don't become a clone. You know. Yes. I usually find that the mistakes that you find yourself making are are the things that actually help you develop your own style. Well, that's that's true too. I mean, all all, all those things really. I mean the. The, the mistakes, the fact that you don't know too much. To try to learn off records. Try to learn off of CDs, you know, off MP3s, whatever it is that you're using. Uh, use your own use your own interpretive methods. You know, uh, try to figure it out. Don't. I know it's easy to just punch it up online and see everything that they're doing, but trust me, you, what you're doing is, is is hurting yourself in the long run if you want your own identity. This is actually my own question. Uh, it just occurred to me. What do you think of Guitar Hero, the game? At first, when I heard about the game and I thought about the game, I thought, oh, this is just bad news. I thought this is another way, this is another American Idol type thing where it's just going to show people that, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna get that instant gratification of playing five colored buttons and they have the crowd roaring for them. They're going to play these songs and they're never going to want to learn a guitar because it's going to take them a lot longer to learn those songs. But I, I think I'm wrong about that. I, I, I Once I got the game because we were on it and... And uh, I, you know, and I saw what was on there. I saw the fact that it really the the, the kids kids are going to play, and grown ups are going to play video games regardless. So, with my sort of five year old boy, it's like he's either do I want him to play Guitar Hero, or would I rather have him play Super Mario Kart? You know what I mean for for the few hours that we're going to allow him to play. Do I want him? And I realized that a lot of this Guitar Hero had a great catalog of music that kids would never be turned on to the songs, the bands, I was like, wow, this is great, and they're discovering it, and they want to look for more, and we have so many, so much fan mail now from kids that are at the extreme set that are going, I discovered your band off of Guitar Hero, and I love that, I bought the records and downloaded this and did that, and so I think it's a good thing. I think in the end, at the end of the day, it's, it, as a video game goes, it's better that they play that and discover some great music like, you know, Barracuda and Heart and stuff like that than, than not, you know? I think it's good. A reader by the name of Downfader wants to know if you've ever dropped or broke an instrument mid-solo, and if so, how did you get out of it? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you know what? I've been really, really lucky enough that I haven't even, I barely, uh, if you have a good tech, you barely break a string on stage. But uh, I definitely remember... Uh, I used to have this thing at the end of the shows, you know, and it's my main, I've been playing the same end four, even though I play others on stage at times, but where I would throw my guitar, me and my tech had this thing down for years where I, I, I throw my guitar to him from a fair distance and I always had a cable. Right. And uh, I remember the, these fans rushed the stage at one point, we were playing a Detroit show, they all jumped up on stage and so when I went to throw at the end of the show, when I went to throw my guitar, the uh, one of the security guards that came from the back was crossing the path and it hit him 
And then the guitar went down the neck, just busted in like three places. Oh uh, there was no getting out of that one. <laughs> A reader named Marcos wants to know if you uh, have any plans for reforming uh, Drama Gods. They're already asking about Drama Gods. Extreme hasn't even toured yet. Oh, That's pretty me. funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, Drama Gods was not too long ago, so uh, I don't know about a reformation, but, uh, you know, we, we, I'm very proud of that record. The la that's probably, out of all the stuff that I did in between Extreme, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very pleased with that, that, that CD. I think it's, a, it's got a lot of great songs and some great musicianship, and it's, it was a very fun, fun band to be with. And as a matter of fact, Kevin, that's where Kevin, our current drummer is, is uh came from that band with me and um hopefully we, we we brought a little bit of that spirit into it i think you can hear it on this record on the extreme record but i don't foresee anything with drama gods and in the near future yeah. iron jaw wants to know uh, why you chose to re-record the song interface with extreme well that was on the drama gods record we had a few on there that we talked about and uh i think we thought that one seemed to suit me and Gary well, you know, because most of the, the song is done in two-part harmony. And, uh, you know, me and Gary have always loved doing that, you know, obviously with more than words and stuff like that. And we thought it really suited us that we might be able to do a decent version of it. So hopefully they like it, you know. Tuscan777 wants to know how you work on the rhythmic side of your playing. Well, I think uh, I think it's always good... To uh, one of the reasons that I, I'm very, uh, I, I think, you know, that rhythm is a huge part of my playing and, and I'm a very percussive player is because, and I, and I think every guitar player, every musician should do this. I think every musician should understand or play drums at some point in their, in their lives. I, I think understanding the drum kit and, and doing that physically teaches you so many things about your instrument and, and, and how you can play with the drummer and, and, and uh, you know, how important pocket is not only for drama, but the other instruments that play with it, play with drums. And I think we all play to a drummer. And so it's important, I think, to understand it. I, I think that's, 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 and, you know, you, with rhythm, you should either jam with some sort of drum machine or some sort of click, or at the very least, you know, get on a drum kit and, and, and get to know rhythm, you know, for yourself, help your instrument.